I love chorus songs. I really, really do. Particularly when they're um, just, just, just really direct worship songs like that one. He is Lord. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know what else happens too when you do things a little slightly out, or like you have this, or I do. I feel like I'm forgetting something all the time, and, and I'm, I'm constantly filtering. Like, what did I forget? Uh, amen. If I forget anything, you guys just shout out and let me know. Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. What did Jesus mean by that? Brother Jim, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir? Amen. I was dwelling on that very statement this morning in, in the office to hide me behind the cross. I'm encouraged to hear you say that. Amen. But why would Jesus say that, that she did it for my burial? I've got, I think, two points. Yeah, I've only got two points. Um, number one, anointed for burial. J- Jesus said that he was being anointed for his burial, and it's like that saying... Um, uh, how's it go? Jesus said, said it. Uh, I believe it and that settles it. But really that's, you know, that's too much information. There's just Jesus said it and that settles it. It doesn't matter if we believe it or not. I know it sounds good, but it just doesn't matter. He said, for in that she had poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. I find it very interesting starting to do some study on Jewish custom. Uh, that they bury their dead quickly. I'm talking in Bible times particularly. They would bury their dead quickly. Um, They didn't have formaldehyde like we do today that would keep the body uh, from decomposing quite as fast. Um, And oftentimes, even the same day, they would have uh, funerals. It's hard to, whew, boy, what a quick turnaround on that. We're we're not used to that mentally. That's not how our customs are. Uh, Amen. Also, the Jews, they would prepare the body by laying it on the ground, and they would wash it from head to toe. And then after they would wash it, they would pour ointments all over the body, and they put perfumes and things that smell nice, and they would wrap that body in like a fine linen uh, or, or whatever the nicest thing they had, really. Uh, um, you, remember, you remember Ananias and Sapphira? 
they, they were buried. If we look, if we take time, look up the verse, and you can later. Um, they, they died and were buried same day. Same day. So when there's a death in the Bible times, you can count on a quick funeral. And, and also, uh, there's a lot of Jewish custom with burials in, in caves or hewn out stones somehow. And there's a lot of, you'd find a cave with a lot of shelf-like um, lay down spots where you'd lay the body down, hewn out in stone. There's a lot of that in Jewish custom. Very interesting. The first recorded place uh, in the Bible that I found where there's uh, any type of burying of the dead, um, and I, I think I'm right here. I, I spent some time looking, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was uh, when Abraham buried Sarah, his wife. Uh, he bought a cave for her. Very interesting. This woman who broke this ointment on Jesus knew who Jesus was. Otherwise, she wouldn't have done it. You don't just do that randomly to people. Amen. She was, she was making a public declaration that she believed that he was the very Messiah that they had been waiting for. You know, it's no coincidence. They weren't looking for Jesus. They weren't looking for a Joseph, right? They, they, they knew it as... The, the, the coming Son of God, uh, um, the Christ, uh, the Messiah was, a, you know, a popular way to say it. Do you know what Messiah means? I got excited about this because I, I did not even know this. you think I would know this. I didn't know it. Messiah means the anointed one. Anointed. Huh. Now all of a sudden, the more we start to learn about this, the more we th- can get excited about she didn't just break oil, uh, uh, spike nard oil upon his head. But she's worshiping the Messiah. She knew what she was doing. It wasn't just that she knew what she was doing, but she was making a a public declaration of her worship. I saw kids, a couple in particular, that gave a testimony at camp. And I was so proud and excited that they did that, knowing how introverted they are. And they don't like social scenarios but they wanted to give up and give a, and say a testimony for our Lord, how God's been good to them. And I got such an excitement about that. You know, it wasn't easy probably for her to do this because she was going to be ridiculed and she knew she would be on many levels. But boy, she was worshiping him. She was worshiping him as the Messiah, the anointed one, acknowledging it publicly. Number one, anointed for burial. And number two is my final point. Now, I'll try not to be longer than a half hour on this point. Just kidding. Number two, anointed as king. I got, I was really, I was enjoying the study. Um, turn to 2 Kings 9.3. 2 Kings 9.3. We'll turn two or three times this evening. But kings were anointed on the head with oil. Yeah, that's one of those things that, that, uh, that, my dad would put it this way. Um, uh, we knew it, but we didn't know it. You know, things that we hear and we, we, we know, but it seems like sometimes you just read your Bible and it's like it really sinks down like, oh, yeah. I've read it a thousand times, but I got it now. Amen. Kings would have their heads anointed with oil. I know you're not there, but First Samuel 10 says, 
Uh, then Samuel took a vest of a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, It is not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance. Samuel anointed with oil. Look at, look at 2 Kings 9.3. He said, Then uh, take the box of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Then open the door and flee and tarry not. Jump down to verse 6. And he arose and went into the house and he poured the oil on his head. And said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed the king over the people of the Lord, even over Israel. I got excited about that. And one thing about the gospel is that we can, um, uh, that, that's exciting, that's uh, good for studying, is that there's a whole lot of correlation between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, why don't we just take a moment? Let's look at see what John wrote about it. John chapter 12, verse 1. Did you know that when we start to do that now, what are we doing? We're studying. And now we're going to compare what uh, John said to what Matthew said. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, John might say something a little different than Matthew said. It doesn't mean he's wrong. It just might be a different perspective of the truth. John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethlehem. Like all of a sudden, right away, we know the time. Boom, six days before the Passover. Where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Well, that's exciting. Now I know the time, and now I know that, man, this is where Lazarus was. So there's people that are going to be talking about that. Amen? Uh, There they made him supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. All of a sudden, I'm studying this thinking, man, I knew this, but like I didn't know it. I've read this. How many times have we read this? But it just dawned on me, man, Lazarus is sitting at the table. I can only imagine what they talked about. But I'm sure it wasn't, it's been so hard this week, you know. I've been busy in the fields working and, you know, things are so tough. You know, I'm the victim. I I fight depression. No, Lazarus would have been saying, man, I should be dead right now. But he he raised me from the dead. I literally owe my life to him. He's going to be excited and be happy about it. Verse 3. So all of a sudden, we just get somebody else's perspective, giving a few more details. It changes, in my opinion, the whole story. It gives us so much more insight, just a few more details. It changes the whole setting. Verse 3, then took Mary a pound of ointment. Now we know how much it was and what it was. A pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. But didn't Matthew say that she anointed his head? Well, man, you, you might get some Bible hater to say, well, look, there's a contradiction. There's no contradiction. She just anointed his feet and his head. There's nothing crazy about that. There's nothing hard about that. She clearly did both. Verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples, look whose name that is, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which, which should betray him. Why, look at what Judas says, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Doesn't that make perfect sense? Who say, Judas would say that. Judas completely clueless of the worship that's happening. 
That happens all the time. Something great happens in the church. Something great happens in the life of the believer. There's going to be some Judas that's going to say, ah, look what they're doing. That's unbelievable. Completely oblivious to the worship that's happening. What God's doing. And all they can see is, ah, ah, they're wasting money. By the way, oftentimes a person who's complaining just about money specifically is really, usually the one that's not doing anything to help with the money. Yeah. Amen. You, the, the, uh, put that in any, any level. Whoever's complaining about uh, uh, the grass not being done right never helps cut the grass. Amen. Let's keep going. Verse 6. This he said, look at this, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And had the bag and bear what was put therein. And then Jesus said, for the poor you always you have with you, but me you have not always. Judas didn't care for the poor. He just wanted the money. That You know what? And, and this is something really to ponder. Because I, I have pondered this several times. I, did a, uh, I preached a message on Judas, I don't know, six, within the last year. Uh, uh, there's a lot to ponder on that. And it'll convict your heart if you, if you let it. And amen. But that just goes to show that um, being in the presence of God and or seeing miracles doesn't necessarily cause you to believe. Judas was one of the twelve. I don't know how many miracles he did, but remember, he went from town to town healing people, healing the lame, doing all these wonderful things. Yet he still had this attitude of not even, he was clueless to the worship that was happening. Miracles are not enough to convince a heart. It ought to cause us to really consider and be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, to not have the mindset, well, I'm one of the 12, so I'm good to go. How about uh, getting in on the worship? I mean, only Lazarus that's at the table, you know. Jesus and Lazarus at the same table. Oh, my goodness. And all he cares about is that he didn't get that money that is wasted. Not, he didn't care for the poor. So how do you know that? Because the Bible says that. more concerned about his selfish financial situation. What a joke. Let's jump over and look at what Mark has to say. Let's just study this out a little bit. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Paul told young Timothy, he says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. A whole lot of us are ashamed because we don't study, because we don't know anything about the word of God. And I say that's to our shame, boldly. It's to our shame. I should know more of the Word of God. You should know more of the Word of God, every one of us. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spike, and very precious. And she broke the box and poured it, out, poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? Now, what's interesting is we know that some had indignation over this. Well, we know it was Judas. Because we compared scripture with scripture when we studied it out. That's awesome. 
I kind of knew what indignation was, but I, I looked it up just to make sure. It is anger or extreme anger mingled with contempt, disgust, or abhorrence. It wasn't just that it annoyed them. It wasn't just that it upset them. They were angry about it to, to where they were contempt about it. They wanted to do something about it. In the presence of Jesus and Lazarus, he's going to get upset about things. You know, people act like that in the church house. God's presence is here right now because there's true Christians or more. Maybe there's still people that will come to the church house with a bad attitude about whatever thing that they got going on or they have a problem with. I, I promise you, whenever God does something, there will be some Judas there with a bad attitude. It just happens every time. Verse 5, for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. I looked at that word they. They murmured against her. Well, we know from comparing Scripture with Scripture that it was Judas is the one who complained. He's the one that had contempt about this. So what happened? He had contempt. He was upset. He probably worked up some people. Then he, one person's bad attitude, even in the presence of Jesus Christ and Lazarus has been raised from the dead, and, and, and a group of men that have seen miracle after miracle after miracle heard Jesus preach and teach to them personally. Still had a problem. And he caused other people to murmur. This, yeah, there are, it blows my mind that there are Christians that God has saved them from, man, a life of absolute sin. And God's done great things for them over and over in their, in, in, in their, in their lives and in their families' lives. Yet they'll still be contempt over the dumbest things. It blows my mind. Sit in church services where God's moving, man. Go to revival meetings. God's moving. Things are happening. Things will happen in their lives. And think, man, man, God help me out there. God, man, God's so good. And then get angry over the dumbest little thing, Brad Tony. That's the spirit of Judas. Verse 6, Mark chapter 14, verse 6. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will may do them good. But me ye have not always. And this is like the best verse like in all of scripture. Like I just wanted to shout as I read it. She hath done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body to the burying. I can't think of a better compliment that you can get from the Lord Jesus Christ to say... Uh, Dan Gunther did what he could. If I heard my earthly father tell me that, man, my boy, I'm proud of him, he did what he could, that's enough to shout. But if the Lord Jesus Christ publicly in front of everybody said, hey, she did what she could, what a great honor that is. Man. We generally fall between two camps. You got the Marys or you got the Judases, generally, right? The Marys doing what you can for Christ. Or the Judases complaining and getting angry at all the Marys of this world, trying to worship the Messiah for who he is. I heard a message. When I went to Lighthouse, I heard this guy. I don't know him. I don't know him, but I enjoyed his message. He preached a message. Uh, and in the message, he, he gave the illustration where he was uh, laid up in a chair. 
he, he done been a, he's a pastor at this point in his life, and, and he was stuck in a chair for like a week or two. I don't know how long, but he was like on crutches or something in a lot of pain. And he, he said he was getting the mopies and the old me. Oh, you were there. That's right. And uh, he was just moping about it and complaining and, and getting a little depressed about it. And uh, he started taking on the victim mentality. That's what we do, right? We get in the flesh. It's, oh, me. We become the Elijahs, right? Like, oh, life is so hard. I had to get up early on a Sunday morning. Oh, poor pitiful me. And he was complaining to a preacher friend of his on the phone. And the preacher said, brother, why don't you just serve where you are? And he said it was like uh, 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 a bell rang off or something is how he said it. And it just like dawned on him, oh, yeah, we know these things, but sometimes we got to know them, right? And that comes with our hard attitude. And so, so he's like, yeah. He's like, I got a phone. I don't have to complain to people. So he started calling church members just to encourage him, call people to encourage him, uh, making phone visits, if you will. He said he got more studying done and deeper studying than he had done in a long time because he was stuck in a chair to do nothing. He didn't make it clear, though. He did get up, go to the bathroom, and find something to eat, you know. Amen. You know. But he said something that stuck with me. And, and this, is, this, is, this is good. I hope that we can remember this. He made up a, a little saying. He said that your circumstance can change what you do, but not that you do. And when he said that, like my, not that I'm like an English teacher. Oh, Rachel would tell you I am not. But my, you know, my little English flag went off. I was like, that, that's wrong. He, that's, that, that, that's not right what he said. But it's right what he said. Our circumstance can change what we do. Did I say that right? Yeah. Our circumstance can change what we do because that's life. That's life. But it ought never change that you do. Um, He got his legs broke or whatever it was. It changed how he could worship the Lord. It changed uh, what he could do as a pastor. But it did not change that he doesn't do anything. It didn't change. He just changed how he did things, amen. Circumstance uh, will change what we do, but not that we do. And I hope that sticks with us, amen. He did what he could, that pastor, he did what he could. And that's what Jesus was saying to Mary in front of everybody. He said she did what she could. What's interesting is uh, Mark and Matthew mentioned what Jesus said at the end of this, and um, Look at Mark 14, 19. He follows it up by saying this. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also, uh, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. It's not far. Let's turn to Matthew 26, 13. We're not far away. It won't take long. I'm almost done. Matthew 26, 14. What a very high honor. Not only did he say she's done what she could in front of everybody. In front of everybody, he says, look, guys, you got the poor always. There's always going to be poor people. You you know, some people um, would rather be poor and be lazy. Right? There's always going to be poor people, no matter what. But he says, you won't have me always. But not only did he say she's done what she could, gave her this high. He gave her an even higher honor. And then he says it again, uh, Matthew 26, uh, 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 uh. 
He didn't say it again. Matthew 26 is saying also what he said. He said, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there also shall this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Mary literally did what she could. You guys realize that's all that God asked of us? Do you realize that, um, and I had this conversation after church this morning a little bit. You know, all that God wants Wyatt to do is do what he can. And Wyatt cannot do what Brother Jim can do. It's just the way it is. But all that Brother Jim can do is what he can do. You know what, Brother Jim can't do maybe some things that Brother Eric can do. That doesn't matter. All God wants you to do, Brother Eric, is what you can do. That's it. It doesn't matter where we are. Where the problem comes in is when we've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and all of a sudden we're not doing what we can do, and there's no maturing happening. Then we have a problem. Then when you get dead churches, you get, you get no growth, you get no uh, uh, quality growth, amen, you get no maturing. That's awful. I don't want to be part of a dead church. Mary was worshiping the Messiah by anointing his body with precious oils for his burial on his feet and on his head. And in doing so, she was also anointing him as the king of kings. And man, that is awesome. Can I say this in closing, that every time, every time, every time that we do what we could, no matter if our circumstances changes what we do, we still have a that we can do. But every time that we do what we could, we are worshiping the Messiah, the King of Kings. Uh, the while worship became popular in the 90s. Am I saying that right, Rachel? Um, while worship. I was in a car with somebody. And, uh, of course, I'm listening to, like, Doyle Lawson or something like that, something real bluegrassy gospel. And uh, he put in, he put in, uh, he asked if he could put in his seat. I was like, sure. And he put in a wild, um, uh, what's it called? Wild worship CD. And he was like, this is actually worship music. I said, well, what I had was worship music too. He goes, no, 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 no. This is worship music. I said, well, why would you say? He goes, well, because it's called worship music. So it's worship music. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, there's a grown man too, so. But, um, you know, worshiping isn't just when we're singing hymns in the church congregation. Worshiping is uh, uh, not when you're just singing hymns in the car, uh, driving up to the UP to go give your mama some moral support. Worshiping is also um, when you, the church is helping uh, fellow members get tires on their car. Uh, worshiping is also when you're helping with the offering plate. Worshiping is also when you're cutting the grass. Worshiping is also whatever. Worshiping is when you've done what you could to serve the Lord. None of that even matters. Forget that. If you're not saved, it doesn't even matter. You can do all the good works in all the world. You can spend. You can be Gandhi. Was he? He was like a, supposed to be a good guy, right? Uh, right. You could be Gandhi. And do all these good works, but if you're not saved, it's nothing. You could be Mother Teresa, but if you're not saved, you're still going to hell. Uh, Good works mean nothing until you're saved. Now, when you're saved, oh, my goodness. 
there's, there's blessings involved with good works, and God will do great things in your life, and there's real benefits to good works. Good works aren't bad in our circles. We really downplay good works all the time, right? Uh, we, we, we quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9 all the time, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. The same man you boast, we, we, we push that all the time. But there's, works is, has nothing to do with salvation, But boy, once you get saved and become a child of the king, now all of a sudden we become partakers of the benefits. And oh, there's benefits. Amen. What, 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 what my dad would say, and I don't know where he got it from, but he'd say, all this in heaven too? We are a blessed people. Amen. Let's pray. We'll have an invitation. Dear Lord, I pray that you would move, Lord, in these next few moments of an invitation. I pray, God, if there's anybody that isn't saved here tonight, Lord, that they'd, uh, find a way to an altar.